All right, here we go. I just finished drawing. <laughs> All right, so welcome to episode three of What Are You Reading podcast. I'm here with Danny. We're here on a sunny day. I have to sit in a very specific position for the sun not to be in my eyes. Uh, welcome back. It's been a little while since we've had an episode, uh, and there's a reason for that. What's the reason? You tell me. I know the reason. I don't know why we haven't done this. I wanted to do it every week since we started. Oh, the reason was... I've started and not finished three different books now. Uh, okay. And shameful. Yeah. Shame on you. And I was kind of waiting to finish one or get most of the way through one that we could talk about. But um, I don't know. Have you finished any books since? Oh last yeah. Time? Oh. Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get to 100 books at the end of the year. So. Yeah. I my goal was 40, and I'm. A little behind, but... That's okay. We'll get there. Okay. This Hey Arnold music right now that's in the background, I don't know if you and the audience can hear this, but it is oh, they can hear so it. distracting. It is pretty I can't take anything you're saying seriously right now. <laughs> it's it's harder when you're wearing headphones to okay. tune out. So you can hear stuff. it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like Move it, football head! <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, so, yeah, I've started a couple books and not finished them. Um, so how does that make you feel? How does that make me feel? Yeah. Uh, kind of good, actually. Uh, because you're going to have to explain that, because <clears throat> that makes absolutely no sense to me. I like that I... Uh, so my, my reading philosophy, if you will, is I have to be excited about it, no matter what it is. Like, I have to be... If I'm not excited about it, I'm probably not going to read it, and then I'm not going to read anything. So you can't hate read books? I can't, no. Okay. And, well, if I were excited about hating it, I could. Okay. Um, but if it's like, meh, what it, like, this is whatever, then I can't read it. So I started one. Are we talking about fiction or nonfiction? I really only read nonfiction. I don't read any fiction much. Um, which one did I start? Oh, I started one that was, that I was, uh, and I will go back to it. I was really interested because sometimes books take priority over others. Like I'm excited about two, but one I'm more excited about, so I go to that for a while. So I was reading this one called Adam and the Genome. I was reading that for a while, really excited about it. Switched over to another one called um, The Day the Revolution Began by N.T. Wright. And then I got a book for my birthday called The Bible Tells Me So by Peter Enns. And I've been reading, that's the one I've been most excited about. And I'm reading that about halfway through that now. How far were you f through the other ones before you put them down? I was about a quarter of the way through the first one, Adam and the Genome, and I was like two pages into <laughs> the revolution began. I'm excited about all of them, but like I said, I gotta have a priority going on. So is your intention to go back and finish them at some point? Yeah, absolutely. But if I were reading, if I were ever reading a book that, um, that I just like, didn't really have interest in, I wouldn't... Like The Alchemist? <laughs> Three out of five. <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would put it down, and I probably wouldn't be intentional about going back to it. Not because yeah. it... Like, there, there just may be a time... Actually, I have quite a few books that I have, like, still have bookmarks in halfway done. 
I expect to get back to them sometime when they become exciting again. Yeah. But I just can't until then. Because otherwise I just, I'll, I won't read. My reading will... So fall. if you have a book that you didn't like, I imagine... I don't know if you rent books from the library or... Like, if you I'm, own a book that you're not going to read, what do you do with it? Do you throw it away? Oh, no. No. If I liked... Like, if I liked it at If you all, don't like it. If I don't like it, um... Yeah, if it's one of those books that you're not going <coughs> to finish. Maybe I didn't ask that question right at first. Um... I mean, I would, I, I, a couple of times I've like purged my library and donated the stuff that I didn't want. Yeah. Um, but usually when I, no, that's not true. I've read a couple of books that by the end it's like, nah, that was, that was okay. Um, but like. See, if I'm walking around my library and there's like a book that I started and never finished, I feel like it's just like looking at me and making me feel guilty like I would have to get it out of my sight but that for me that's interesting so I'd, I'd be interested to hear how you feel about all of this then because for me feeling guilty about not reading a book like just cripples me as far as reading goes like somebody gets me a book and it's not like necessarily one that was on my list to read and it's on my shelf but I, I'm like, if I'm like, oh, I really should read this because somebody got it for me, then I'm probably not going to read it or anything else. But what I love, and the reason that I've, I, every so often I'll purge my library and get rid of stuff that I didn't like is because I want a high concentration of stuff that I really did like. Because yeah. then every time I look at my bookshelf, I'm like, yeah, those are some awesome books. Or you look at it and you're like, wow, I have so many books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd see. I, I haven't read. I've gotten better. I used to just buy so many books. I feel like most of my salary went towards buying books. So I've got a, I've got a pretty massive library. Yeah. And I've probably read like one third of them. Yeah. I don't know. I feel good about that. So you like a bigger library better than a. Yeah, because you yeah. never know. Yeah. I've got, like, there was a reason usually. It's not that I just go out and I'm randomly buying whatever book shows up, like, right on my Kindle. Like, Two Cabins, One Lake. Not every book is like that, where I just, like, buy it on the spot just because it shows up. It's usually I'm seeking it out for some reason. Right. I'll buy it, I'll put it on my shelf, and then some sometimes it's that day when it comes that I'll start it. Sometimes it's a year or two in the future that mm -hmm. I start it and read it, but there's usually at least there's been a reason that I bought it in the first place. Okay. And so I've got this whole like just assortment of possibilities that I can tap into at any time right. should I ever be in need, which I probably won't be because I always have a stack of books going. But yeah. So when you uh, if you have read something that you don't like, do you keep it or do you get rid of it? Oh, I keep it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Maybe I'll read it again and I'll like it better. Yeah, that's a good point. I think oh, I think we're similar. Where you'll, like you said, you'll buy the book if there's a reason. You'll buy it and have it on your shelf. I don't buy it, but I have like I don't know, like 50 books on an Amazon list. Yeah. That like at some point there was a reason, and I need to start writing it down because I go through the list and I'm like, what is this book? Like, where did this come from? But at some you point, mean writing down the reason of why. Why I put it yeah. on there because yeah, at some point there was a reason that I put it on there and wanted it. Yeah. 
so it sounds like you just you buy it and you put it on your shelf for the most yeah i'd say that's a big reason why yeah i have most of the books that i do so do you once you start a book you force yourself to finish it well eventually i don't give myself any sort of time limitation okay because i'm similar to you like i'll start a book i'll get halfway through it and then there's another book that is of competing interest Mm -hmm. that seems to be in my eyes more urgent for me to read it and that will take priority or you know if i want to read 100 books in a year and i'm slogging through a long book and all of a sudden there's a little book that i know that i can crush and at least get some momentum Mm -hmm. and have another book that i can add to my list that i've read for the year that's going to take precedence too um so for example at the end of last year there were 27 books on my nightstand that I hadn't fully read some of which I was halfway through some of which I hadn't even touched and so in my bullet journal I made a whole list of all of those books Mm -hmm. I wrote little like numbers so that I could check off I've read three of them since December (laughs) essentially but my intention is at some point, I don't know when it's going to be, at some point I'm going to read every, all 27 of those books. They're not on my nightstand anymore. I took, it was depressing to look at this huge stack. Now uh-huh. it's replaced by another stack of probably 12 books. Uh-huh. But basically I intend to read all of those and okay. it's completely irrational. I'm, none of what I'm saying is rational at all. Like. No. There's no reason why you should have to finish a book, but I guess I have the perspective that like, you should finish what you start. It's a, there are all these like, um, I guess you can call them oughts in my life, like all these things that I feel like I ought to do or I'm supposed to do. And one of those like overarching themes in my life is that, and I do this horribly, but at least with books, I feel like I'm able to able to do it right like, finish what you start don't just don't just start something just and then fizzle out because I think in other areas of our life both of us are similar in that we tend to start things like this podcast this podcast could definitely the novelty could wear off uh-huh. and then it could fizzle out and then not that there's ever necessarily a finishing it but it will never get to that point where we've sustained it right um, so I don't, I, I guess maybe, maybe I see books as an opportunity to practice that discipline of finishing mm-hmm. things that I start and hope that that overflows into other areas of my life. So you think of it as, oh, like, I'm, even if I'm setting this book aside, I'm going to finish it at some point. Basically. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there's reasons beyond just finishing it for the sake of finishing it. Like I find it hard to. I guess it's harder for me to justify with fiction because if I just don't like a story, yeah. then what's the point of me finishing right. the story unless I've been told by a thousand other people that like this is the greatest story ever and I just need to plow through it like Game of Thrones or something like that. If I read the first hundred pages of Game of Thrones and I'm like, this book is so boring, but I know there are 900 pages left, and if I can just get through those like foundational chapters, then I'll start to get into the more exciting part. And I've been told by other people, and so it's worth pushing 
fiction, right. I, most fiction, I find that harder to justify with nonfiction. Most of the stuff I buy, all you need, in my eyes, and I, I've heard this from some of the motivational speakers that I listen to, all you need is one idea to make a book worth it. Like one good idea that will prompt you to action, one good idea that will like change the way that you look at things. When you're writing a book? When you're reading a book. Reading a book? Okay. Yeah, if you're reading a book, that idea could be buried oh, okay. and in any page within that entire text. It could take until the end of that book to find that idea. Right. But I don't want to... There's part of me that doesn't want to take the chance that I'm going to miss out on that little gem or that little treasure that's hidden. Mm. Um, and there, could, there are plenty of books where there are multiple of those, but at least if you can find one thing, I think it justifies the act of reading it personally. Yeah. Are you convinced? Am I convincing you right now? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I think we sound pretty, it sounds pretty similar the way that we act as far as, I mean, I do this, basically the same thing if I'm setting this, a book aside. Yeah. I think you're, you, you sound a little more determined, like I'm going to finish it at some point, and like you've even made a list of books that you need to finish. I set it on, I set it aside and say, yeah, I'll probably get back to that eventually. Yeah. But I have to wait until like I'm excited about that again. Um, but otherwise, we sound pretty similar. But sometimes you have, sometimes you're not going to be excited first. Sometimes the excitement follows the act of starting. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But sometimes once you get started, or if I were to get back into any one of those books, probably that some of that excitement and those feelings that I had when I started it would yeah. come back, and I'd be able to finish it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. As long as there are books, I don't. There's always um, as long as there is something that I'm more excited about, or I ha I always I feel like I have to go with whatever I'm most excited about, even if that means leaving something and coming back to it. Does it make you feel good when you finish a book? Yeah. I get such a thrill by just finishing a book. It yeah. doesn't matter what book it is. It doesn't matter if I liked it or not. Just the act of closing that last page. Yeah. Like, if I hate read that entire book, whatever it was, but I finish it, I'm like, I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that, like, the last, I don't know, the last couple chapters are just, like, you some just drag books. through them sometimes? Some books, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there have been, I can't even count the number of books where it's been, like, I wish I could think of the last one that really, really felt that way, but there have been plenty where... Oh, I read uh, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which is like one of those new agey kind of Buddhist books. Okay. That's all about like, I don't know, he just uses like weird, stupid language to explain like all these, all his spiritual ideas. Uh huh. And it's just like, it feels like he's just repeating the same things over and over and over again, and like I just wanted to finish it, because uh -huh. I wanted to be able to say that I finished it, <laughs> and it was just grueling. So do you? I think it's another thing. Do you kind of like speed read the page sometimes, or do you read every word? I probably have gotten better at reading most of the words. Um, it depends if I, especially if I'm tired and I'm reading before bed and I'm like about to fall asleep, there's a good chance that like the last couple pages that I read before I went to bed 
I had no idea what I was reading. Oh man, when I'm tired, I will start making stuff, like my brain just starts making stuff up. I'll read the first half of a sentence and make up something that, I'm, and then when I'm like snapped back to it, I'm like, where did that come from? That's not written here. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. I'll bet you most of the people, if, whoever's listening to this, if they, if they're big book readers, they do the same thing too. Oh yeah. I wonder where most people fall on this divide. Although you're saying we're similar, I still don't think we're similar. Because I, I think the, the crux of this is, do you think you have to finish a book and do you not think you have to finish a book? And you're more forgiving of yourself where if you weren't to finish a book, you're okay with that. Whereas if I don't finish a book, it's gonna bother me for the rest of my life. Yeah, I guess that's true. If I didn't come back to it, I mean, I still see books on my shelf that I know I didn't finish, and I'm like, yeah, I should finish that sometime, but it doesn't bother me as much. You sound like you, like you're, again, like you're determined. Like, I, I know. Come I don't know what's wrong with me. I think you're... Nothing. You're, well... Nothing. I think we just think about it differently. Maybe. It's not a problem. Maybe. So what are you reading recently? Uh... I've read a lot recently. Let's see. What's the one that I want to talk about? <laughs> so, all right, I'll go with um, book Prayer of Jabez. I'd, I haven't talked about a godly book yet, so <laughs> it's about time. I think uh, I owe that to the man. Only took you uh, three episodes? Yeah, three episodes. <laughs> so... Prayer of Jabez, really, really cool book. I read it probably two years ago. It's really short too, so it's another one of those that like, if you're going for a certain number of books in your year, it's an easy one to just uh -huh. check off because you can read it in two hours if you really wanted to. Yeah, David, um, David Wilkinson, right? Bruce Wilkerson. Or Bruce, Wil Bruce Wilkerson. Wilkin, Wilker, one of those. Okay, He's Bruce a, Wilkerson, but he wrote the um, Secrets of the Vine. He wrote The Secrets of the Vine also. Yeah, so two really short, what I think are profound books. So, Prayer of Jabez. Um, again, read it two years ago, liked it, wasn't as crazy about it as I am with Secrets of the Vine. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, this time, it's just really, uh, you know, I've, t I've written about this before and talked about it before. There's like a phenomenon in my life of right book, right time, mm -hmm. where just like, you know, that's why I love having all those books on my shelf because at some point that book, whatever it is, is going to be perfect for me at that time when I pull it off the shelf and Prayer Jabez has been sitting there for two years unread. Right. And it just happened to be the perfect book for me just a week or two ago. What led you to picking that up? Was it like you walked past it, you saw it and went, oh yeah, I should read this? It was probably that I had just read Secrets of the Vine, okay. and there was a plug for, I'm pretty sure there was a plug for Prayer of Jabez at the end of it, or within it somewhere. Yep. Yeah. So it triggered that. Um, so basically, a quick summary of how the book works. There's this guy, Jabez. He uh, is one of the notable characters in the Bible, less notable than some of the characters most people know, like David or Abraham or any of the big, big shots who have, like, pages and pages written about them. Mm -hmm. This guy has basically two verses that were written about him, but what makes him significant is that he's tucked away in the middle of this book of genealogies and mm -hmm. chronicles. Like, nobody reads that book. Like, when I do my devotional, yeah, when I do my devotional reading, 
I just completely, you want to talk about like not reading every single word. I don't read every single word when I'm reading the genealogies. <laughs> and because of that, you like, I would be, if I were not to read the prayer of Jabez, I wouldn't even know that this little section of the genealogies existed because mm -hmm. I just power through them. Yeah. So basically, the writer of Chronicles is going through his genealogies. First, uh, First Chronicles 4 verse 9, all of a sudden he breaks out and talks about this honorable man named Jabez, who in verse 10 prays this prayer, and it's, you know, he's praying to God and he says, can you please bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand always be with me and keep me from harm so that I may always be kept from pain, something like that. Very simple prayer, mm -hmm. um, and then boom, I'm pretty sure he just goes back into genealogies. So what is it about this guy Jabez, what is it about this prayer that was significant enough for the writer in Chronicles to just stop what he was doing mm -hmm. and start and just write about this guy? Yeah. And I just, like the way that um, the author lays out each section of it, each sentence of that prayer and just expounds on what's unique about it and what can be applicable to your own life. Hmm. I really like so just to do it quickly like the first sentence is oh Lord that you would bless me he's not asking you know can you bless me in this specific way like I have this thing that I want it's that you would like Lord would you bless me in it, whatever way you see fit not in the way that I see fit right he then asks that his territory be enlarged and you could I think at that time um, Israel's land was being partitioned mm -hmm. so you could just read that in the literal sense and think he just wants more land which is possible yeah um, but another perspective you could read it is you know enlarge my ministry give me more people that I can engage with give me more um, just give me more responsibility exactly um, the next sentence is let your hand always be with me mm -hmm. and it's like you know you get that responsibility you can easily get burnt out i've already seen that happen in my life if you try to have that responsibility without god's hand being with you you're not going to be able to sustain it so mm -hmm. that third part of the prayer is maybe the most important one um to keep me from harm is just like keep me from temptations like don't even instead of like trying to overcome temptations in the midst of them like just remove me from those situations help me to flee from like i think peter says help me to flee from temptations or timothy wherever that is uh -huh. and then keep me from pain is the same idea like if you keep me from those temptations i won't have to go from i won't have to be subject to the pain that's involved with failing as a result of them or whatever so Hmm. It's a really quick synopsis, but and he goes into it more in that book, but I don't know, I just found it really profound. What difference, <clears throat> not like what difference does that make, but what difference did that make for you reading that? Uh, it's been a week, so not a whole lot. Well, but sure. I guess it... Um, what clicked for you? What was that gem? The gem for me was just the idea of being independent versus dependent, which is something that, like... I've learned in different capacities and different uh, times through my walk as a Christian, but um, 
there, even as a Christian, like, even having um, walked for a bit, there are still times where you can stray and think, okay, you know, I'm comfortable, I can do this on my own. Mm. And it's those times where you're apt to get burnt out and exhausted and, like, frustrated or whatever. You you know, when the self takes over, it's... it All of a sudden, all these things that maybe you were looking forward to right. by asking God to bless you become a burden right. and an obligation. And so it was just a recognition, I guess, that I need that third sentence of that prayer. I need to ask for God's hand to be on my life and to be present with me all the time so that I have the strength and the energy and the capacity and the power to be able to do all of the things that I originally wanted to instead of just extracting myself from all of them out of exhaustion. Right. So it's more, it's, um, I guess, more of a recognition of my dependence as opposed to my independence, which goes against all my American sensibilities as a strong independent woman. <laughs> Just kidding. I identify as a man for the record of this podcast. <laughs> so dependence rather than independence. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's the opposite of how most of the people in this world operate. Right. Even people in Christian spheres, most people are independent and just go about their merry lives with no thought as to what, whether God's with them or not. They're yeah. just going on their own fumes there. I remember seeing a guy turning onto 101 yesterday and he just like, it's a Friday afternoon. Like most people are happy on Fridays because thank goodness it's Friday. Mm-hmm. And which I hate that term, but like he's wait 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 why do you hate that term we'll, we'll get into that okay but he's just like if you can envision this his arm is resting on his windowsill mm-hmm. driver's side his hand is curled up in a fist and his like head is resting on that fist like mm-hmm. against the window so obviously like this guy is stressed out and i know nothing about the person but i will bet you that that guy has no dependence on God in his life at all because hmm. if you the only reason that you can feel that exhausted and that just, especially on a Friday afternoon like the only way that you can feel like that is because you are just trying to take on all of life's burdens yeah. yourself you know right I'm sure there are other reasons beyond that but that to me would that is the center of most people's frustration in this in this entire world you yeah. know so, boom, this third podcast oh. and we just solved life. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I mean, you said, like, the dependence goes against the whole American um, It goes against America, but that, I love America, <laughs> so I hate, like, oh, sure. just saying it's just America. It goes against the whole world's ethos. Yeah, I guess, yeah, where people are more individualistic, but I think Christianity, too, like, in some ways we've become more individualistic mm-hmm. where like we really we need to be depending on God and we need to be depending on others like community is one of the biggest parts of Christianity that sometimes we miss which I think is um, great with churches that have like small groups like Shiloh yeah. um, that we have that community that's interesting what did you ask you asked me a question I asked you why do you hate the term TGIF. 
Why do you think I hate the term CGIF? You can't imagine why? Because you hate all things good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just a grumpy, grouchy person. Um, because it's just sad to me, and uh, I say it too, yeah, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's sad to me that people will, like, if you think about the fact <coughs> that you're on this planet for such a short time, and most people don't want to want to die. Like, yeah. they have to like convince themselves that death isn't a real thing, and yet they're content to spend five days out of their week miserable, dreading. This is why most heart attacks happen on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Like statistically, from what I read, most people just. What are you gonna say? I was gonna say, and the Monday after daylight savings starts yeah. is also a really peak day. Yeah. So most people are just, they spend five days out of their week just like, and they even spend their weekends dreading those next five days that are coming. Yeah. So they're really excited about these three days. So the majority of their, their life, like five days out of a seven day schedule every year for your adult life, is something that you dread like that's dave, not how is that a way to live like that's such a waste dave ramsey says you can't live from oh god it's friday no from thank god it's friday to oh god it's monday yeah like and way too many people do that, that. Sucks. yeah and you even get to like sunday at 7 7 p.m and then you're like oh no right <laughs> it's coming again so it, it's even it's not even like you get that full weekend it's condensed to that small amount of time where you're actually awake because people probably sleep in on saturdays too so you get that little bit of time and then if you get hung over because you're drinking like you have even less time where you're enjoying yourself so mm -hmm. hmm. that's my rant about thank thank goodness it's friday there you go yeah i agree let's hear about your book uh i just talked for so long well i'm glad you brought up chronicles the book i'm reading is called oh no <laughs> <laughs> the book i'm reading is all about chronicles oh no. boy. it's uh it's called the bible tells me so and the the subtitle is why defending the bible has made us unable to read it yeah um and it seems that this is peter ends uh e-n-n-s um and kind of the what he's going for is when we take the Bible and we try to smooth it all out and make it all make uh, make sense like on a historical timeline and make sense like no contradictions and yep. blah blah blah. Like he says he thinks that we do a disservice and a disrespect to it. We're not respecting um, the individual books for uh, when and where and by whom they were written. Um, we're not respecting you know the story as a whole. So one of the examples that I thought of is interesting you thought of uh, Chronicles was um, he talks about like we have in Kings uh, in first second Samuel and first second Kings we have a huge long history of Israel yeah and then in first and second Chronicles is kind of a recap of that same history and in the Jewish Bible they're very far apart Chronicles is at the end to kind of give you an overview of everything you just read um, but in the Christian Bible, like, those two histories are put back to back. And by the time people get to Chronicles, they probably just skip over it. Um, but he was saying the interesting thing is, if you look at those two histories, they're very different. 
you can't really reconcile them as far as like actual like history as we think of it. But when you look at them, uh, the way that the writers intended for them to be read, they tell very different. They not tell different stories, but they say different things. So, for example, the uh, Samuel and King's history was likely written during the um, Babylonian exile, and so it's answering the question of how did we get here. Yeah. And that's why the author, in every single king, even the good ones, finds something bad about them. Basically, he's he's saying like. We've we've done awful. Our kings have been horrible. He's like blaming the leadership. Like this is how we got into exile. Um, but then when you get to Chronicles, um, it doesn't even mention the northern kings because the northern um, the northern uh, kingdom. Yeah, the northern kingdom of Israel is gone. They went to Assyria and they're like off the map now. Only the southern kingdom had come back out of exile. But he is, he's kind of answering the question, um, like, how is God going to fix this? <clears throat> and um, the way that he tells his story is all about a hope for the future of, like, um, he tells the story of David. He leaves Bathsheba completely out of it. And he um, tells, Dave, tells the story of David as, like, David's preparing to build the temple and everything, whereas Samuel and King said that David was going to have nothing to do with the temple. Mm-hmm. But in Chronicles, David's preparing everything. Basically, he's got all the plans, all the materials that he pushes to Solomon and says, now do it. Um, and that's the writer of Chronicles saying, like, our king that's coming, he's going to take care of us. He's going to do uh, everything that, um, that needs to be done to, to bring us back to where we're, where we're supposed to be. So how can you reconcile one book saying that David didn't want anything to do with it and one book where it's saying David basically had planned everything yeah I, I don't I don't think we need to um, I don't think I don't think when the writer of Chronicles I mean maybe the writer of Chronicles was trying to write it as he knew history as we think of history today but like they're there I think we don't talk about the human side of the Bible enough and Jesus, but I'll leave that for another time. Um, we just we think of the divine side of the Bible, but don't think of the human side. Like there are people writing these stories, and these people, like they're specific people in a specific time, in a specific place, in a specific context. And I, I think we are expecting too much if we want these writers to be. Uh, Unerringly accurate. Yeah, and essentially have the mind of God as they're writing. Well, if you believe that the Holy Spirit person. led them, I guess that's the way that people. Yeah. People will acknowledge that humans wrote every book of the Bible, but yeah. then they'll say that it was the Holy Spirit that guided their hand the whole time. I think. Yeah, and I can see that, but I I don't think the historicity as we think of it today is the are the same questions that they were trying to answer. Like again, like I said, the, the um, Samuel and King, writer of Samuel and Kings, he seems to be answering the question, how do we get here? And it's not, I don't think it has to be historically accurate. I don't really know how to explain it, but they're not, they're not writing for like specific history's sake. They're writing to tell a story because that's that's what we do. Like that's what people do. Um, we tell stories, and they don't always have to be 
see, this is where you get into tricky ground because we're talking about the Bible. Like, you could talk about this any anywhere else, um, but it gets tricky talking about the Bible. Um, I don't know. I don't have it figured out, but I just... I'm, I'm you don't have it figured out? I don't have it figured out. How old are you? I'm 23, I know. Shame on you, man. I know. Maybe if you were, like, 21 and you didn't have it figured out, then I would give you an excuse, but... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm just interested in exploring that more. Interested in understanding the context of, uh, you know, of why people were writing stuff. It's interesting. So do you see, I mean, most of, I guess, my question I always want to ask is how does it change your behavior? But I feel like that has, there's no way in which this would, this more just changes your, I guess, the lens through which I feel like that's most of the, the books that you're reading right now. They're changing the lens through which you view scripture or yeah. just the world. Yeah, which does inform behavior, definitely. Um, I mean... Do you feel like Christians are too defensive in that? I, I mean, I think a lot of the reason that, like, the truth of the Bible and the historical accuracy of the Bible is such... A sensitive topic is because that's one of the chief ways that people attack scripture um, and say that you know this book is just a big book of like stories is used as a pejorative basically where right. it's used that word story is used to attack the legitimacy of the Bible and so people in a rightful defensive posture if you believe that the book is truth like right. their stance is going to be this is, you know, no, the, that is history. Right. Um, yeah, and I would ask, well, then, if we can be, if we're certain about everything, then where does faith come in? Well, it's just certain about the Bible. That doesn't mean you're certain about everything. But if we're, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have a, I have a reaction to, um, have a reaction when when it's um, when there are I don't even know well enough to explain it. Is that good? You don't like when people have you don't like black and whites? Like you don't like when people are I think certain about things? I think we have so many other areas where there are tensions that we hold as Christians like the uh, divinity and the humanity of both Jesus and the Bible. Like, um, there are so many areas where we have these tensions that we have to hold somewhere in the middle, and and I don't. Um, I kind of have that reaction to when people are like so black and white about something like the history, the historicity of the Bible, even when we see evidence in nature that contradicts something or apparently contradicts something. Um, I think like God gave us nature just as much as he gave us the Bible. So like maybe our understanding of one or the other is not completely accurate, but like we should be searching to. So do you see it as a pride thing? Is that like, um, do you think it starts to, it starts to become like humans just becoming prideful and, um, in their own certainty about stuff and not willing to... Not prideful. Everybody wants to be certain. I think everybody wants to be sure that what they believe is true. 
Um, but I think there's an openness, like, for me, I've asked myself, like, okay, what if, what if none of it was true? Like, just as an exercise, what if Genesis wasn't literal history? What if it was something else? Okay, well, what would that something else be? Does that demolish my faith? No. Like, just going through that exercise is helpful for me because I can keep an open mind, not just to what Genesis means, but also, like, the, um, like, I can respect some of the human um, intellectualness that we've been given to figure things out in the world. Do you think that's a better attitude than if somebody were to have the potential of having their faith demolished by Genesis not being a literal book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think if your whole faith rests on Genesis, that's, that's not what Christianity is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be like we are Christ followers, not we are, I mean, that would be a different faith, I think, if you're resting on the faith of a literal creation. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have it figured out. I'll figure it out, but the exercises of exploring and asking these questions is interesting to me. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. I feel like you've been on a kick where most of the books that you're reading are like this. Yeah, yeah. They push the boundaries of what what I uh, believed. Yeah. Sometimes without thinking about it. Yeah, I'm into that. Well, we should probably wrap this up. I'll yeah. come. I'll come back when I have it all figured out, and I'll I'll lay it out for you. You'll now. lay it out for yeah. for everybody who doesn't. I tell everyone like it is. Nice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so thanks for listening again. Uh, to our third episode. Yeah, sorry again about that horrible music in the background. Yeah, it's been bad the whole time. <laughs> um, uh, we, well, I guess if you're listening to this, no, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes also. Yeah. Um, you can catch it yeah, there. We have at least one subscriber now, I know that, so. Uh, last time I looked, I think we had 23. Subscribers? Yeah. On iTunes? Yeah. You never told me that. Did I not? No. Oh. Well, hey everybody, we're we have pretty 23. Much, we're pretty much famous. Yeah, we are I can cross that famous. off my bucket list. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and uh, we'll come back next time with fully read books and fully developed. Um, well, he'll come back with fully read books. I've, got, I've always got fully read books ready. <laughs> All right, cool. See you guys. Thanks.